Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. It was a busy Saturday and Sunday for me. Ad drops everywhere. I even made a couple of trades. All about fantasy baseball right now. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is Monday, May 13th. Hope everybody excuse me, had a great weekend and a great Mother's Day. And here I am with Scott White. Scott, what's going on, my man? I'm fine, Adam. I'm doing fine. How I didn't are you? say I said what's going on. I didn't say how are you. I know. You're not I listening. know, but that's that's a harder question to answer. <laughs> what's going on is we're doing a podcast and yeah. And uh, here we are. Here, here we are. There you go. You answered it perfectly. Uh so I <laughs> I did make a lot of bad drops. Did you also find yourself making a lot of transactions this weekend? No. I wouldn't say I made a lot of transactions. I feel like it was it was about the normal amount of transactions. I'm interested to hear what kind of transactions you were making, frankly, because maybe maybe I've been left behind. No, uh, there were a couple players in our in the podcast points league. Uh, I'm two and four, and it just the team is just nothing has fallen into place. <laughs> I've got a very talented IL, and um, I I just I'm done. I'm done with Ryan McMahon. I'm done with Adam Eaton. Two guys I was excited about when I drafted them. I had to drop them. Um, you got these prospects mm. getting called up, and I know a lot of people are adding Corbin Martin, Cole Irvin, yeah. who are not quite on that train yet, and I get it, doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. You had J.P. Crawford and Shed Long get called up, so we're going to talk about that. Um, and uh, I guess let me start with uh, with one hitter to add. I, I think it was more pitchers for me, which is typical, but if there was one hitter to add, who would it be? Yeah, it was more pitchers for me too, but... Uh, probably the hitter to add would be from Mil Reyes, whose ownership is still less than 70%, even though it's kind of all coming together for him here in May. Actually, his last 30 games, he has an OPS near 1,000 and batting over 300. Uh, you know, the, the things we've been talking about forever with him, the quality of contact, the line drive rate is great, hard contact, uh, hits the ball to all fields, should be a high BABIP guy. And got off to a very slow start, but the Padres kept the faith. They've started him more than anybody expected coming into the season. I think he started 13 straight games now, and I think I think he's uh, he's trending toward must-start status. So the fact you could still get him off the waiver wire is pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm actually as we speak, I'm going to drop Clint Frazier for Fran Mel Reyes. This is a points league, yeah. and I, and like both Fr- Reyes and Frazier should probably be owned, but Frazier has like four walks or something like that. So yeah, points league, three outfielders. That makes it a little tougher. It's a fourteen team. Somebody league. will probably pick him up, but yeah, they, they both should be owned. But I don't have the roster space, so I'm gonna pick up Reyes because I like him. I, I like him a lot, and I think Scott's a hundred percent right. Um, and I think that the there's some first baseman that I thought were pretty interesting. C.J. Crone is starting to come around. His slash line looks almost exactly like it did last year when he hit 30 home runs. Um, Yuli Gurriel, if you need batting average in like a categories league, he's like 68% owned or something. But Gurriel is hitting f- over 400, I think, in the month of May so far. And uh, Mitch Moreland, you know, I think only a five-day week for the Red Sox, but I said it on CBS Sports HQ yesterday. More about that later. I don't expect it to keep up for more than I've said that on the podcast, too. But he's just been so hot that if he doesn't have a lot of lefties on the schedule, you might want to start Mitch Moreland. 
Um, okay, I think I might have another hit. Oh, Hunter Pence. Yeah, look, yeah. I, I don't buy it with Hunter Pence. I know Scott's going to tell me about the hitting coach. Uh, it's. I think mm-hmm. it's going to end. But if you are willing to stream pitchers, you should probably be willing to stream hitters. And I'm okay. I know I, I feel like a lot of people don't feel this way, and that's fine. But I'm okay chasing hot streaks to an extent. I'm not dropping anybody great for Hunter Pence. But I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to see where it goes because he's he's homering. He's hitting great. So Hunter Pence yeah. deserves more respect right now, and I will write it out. I'm going to start him in a five outfielder league this week. Well, let's let's talk about the hitting coach, right? We got to get sure. the full take here on Hunter Pence. <laughs> okay. Uh, Doug Latta, the private inning instructor who made Justin Turner everything he is, is who Hunter Pence worked out with this offseason to the point that he would, then went and put it to the test in the Dominican Winter League. Uh, but really, we started to see the results in spring training. It was easy enough to ignore them because it was spring training and he didn't even for sure have a roster spot. And if he did, it'd probably be on the bench. Well, it's kept going now to the point that uh, the Rangers have started him, I believe, now against three straight right-handed pitchers. Obviously, I mean, the numbers are ridiculous. So to this extent, I'm skeptical they're going to continue too. But if he continues to play against right-handers, uh, I I think he's I think he's going to be a useful option. I think there's enough there's enough smoke to that was preceding this fire that I'm not totally writing it off. Even though he's a 36 year old who the Giants wrote off. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of like Ryan Zimmerman a couple years ago, where he had such an extended hot streak, and and the main reason that he gave was like I'm healthy now. And so, yeah, uh, Hunter, this is a better reason, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also, it, it, I mean, it is a, a swing change is is nice. And and Scott, like Scott was saying, he's starting against righties. Well, he's going to start against lefties. Let's just, I think that was sort of unsaid. But one lefty and five righties on the schedule, and not not tough matchups. Duffy, Lopez, Bailey, Michaelis, Hudson, Flaherty. That's not a bad week for Hunter Pence. So he's in my lineup. Uh, is there a pitcher that is must add right now? Well, Corbin Martin, I actually was fortunate enough to add him in, I think, at four leagues prior to Sunday's start, even though I was not super excited about him. He didn't have a single start at AAA this year where he went six innings, and it doesn't sound totally clear that Colin McHugh's demotion to the bullpen is intended to be a permanent thing. I I think it maybe could be, but it sounds like it might be more of a get get him back on track thing, but... As with any prospect call-up, if he performs, there's usually a way to keep him around. And Corbin Martin certainly performed in his first start against Texas yesterday. Five and a third innings, two earned runs, nine strikeouts. Um, This is a guy who, despite the short outings at AAA, 148 ERA, 103 whip, 10.4 strikeouts per nine innings. I like that of his 10 swinging strikes yesterday, four were on the fastball, three on the curveball, three on the changeup. So there seems to be a diverse enough arsenal there. Uh, and obviously the Astros supported cast is great. So any of the leagues where I didn't add him Saturday night, I added him. I tried to add him Sunday night. And I also think there's a second that is worth adding everywhere. And that is Lucas Giolito, who turned in his second straight dominant start of seven plus innings, eight strikeouts. They were against weak lineups, Cleveland to Toronto. But regardless, his swinging strike rate is way up this year. His fastball velocity is up. His secondary arsenal looks to improve both the changeup and especially the slider. 
and uh, he might be breaking through here. He yeah. might be breaking through. Got to take a chance on him. Really, you take, uh, the reason I took a chance on Martin and the reason why I don't think there's any reason not to take a chance on Giolito is like you take a chance on any pitcher who's showing he has a chance to be more than fringy sure. Uh, because there are so few out there who do. And who's Giolito get this week? He gets the Toronto Blue Jays again, so it'll be another nice matchup for him. Uh, yeah, look, I I think that I'm going to be starting Giolito in two leagues. I think I, I own him in two of six leagues. And I'm starting him fully aware that he's Lucas Giolito, and based on his track record, he could give up eight runs. He's got so many terrible starts under his belt in his you know the early portions of his career, and I get it. But I liked him coming into the season. And the velocity is really encouraging, so I'm with you on Giolito. That was the pitcher I was going to recommend as the one guy to add. I think there there are more that we'll get to. Um, I, I take a look at Matt Strom. I picked him up in a league, uh, you know, so because I had some RP injuries. We talked about him. There's a couple guys that I'm going to talk about in a second. The results weren't great over the weekend, but some of the underlying stats are encouraging. But two other pitchers that you should pick up. Uh, Steve Ciszek is 12% owned. He got the save yesterday. I really think he's the closer while Strope is out. I, I don't know that he gets every save, but he's the best option. But he's not even close to as good as Luke Jackson, who is clearly the closer for the Braves. Luke Jackson is 35% owned, and he didn't get the save on Saturday, but he did pitch on Thursday, nope. Friday, and Sunday. Scott Fe- Two inning save Sunday. Yes, two, two inning innings. save Sunday. Yes. Yeah, Scott Scott dropped him yeah. in uh, in on, in the for the people sixteen team scam league. Uh, <sighs> yeah, so I'm not, I don't know that I'm ever gonna let you forget that. <laughs> we all make mistakes, but uh, yeah, yeah, he like mentors down in the minors now, and even the day he was off Sunday, uh, Jacob Webb, who did seem like the backup option behind Jackson couldn't complete the inning or wasn't allowed to complete the inning. Johnny Venter's got a one-out save. So there there doesn't really seem to be any other options right now, at least until the minor league, at least until the draft happens in less than a month and then the Braves sign Craig Gibral. <laughs> sure. Okay, pitchers that you might want to drop but should think twice about. I started both of them in a Roto League yesterday, and it didn't work out. Now, one is Griffin Canning. He's 65% owned. He was a two-start pitcher. And I could understand not starting him. The results just haven't been there. He has a 565 ERA. But Griffin Canning in three starts has 18, 17, and 16 swinging, swinging strikes. Tell him. And he, hasn't, Tell him. and he hasn't gone more than five and a third. So he's not throwing that many pitches. So I feel like Griffin Canning would probably be leading the league in swinging strike rate if he qualified. If not, if not leading the league, he'd be up there. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's something to keep in mind. If he can put it together, he might have a, a chance to be sort of special against Kansas City this week. And uh, and on three pitches, kind of like I was saying for Corbin Martin, kind of what mm-hmm. initially attracted me to Herman Marquez. Three different pitches getting those swinging strikes. And speaking of three That's pitches, great. Tyler Malley pitched a lot better than the final line. Four runs and six and a third. He gave up two runs. This was against the Giants, so... You know, I thought I thought he'd really dominate. He gave up two runs in the first inning. The next five were scoreless. He came out for the seventh inning, and Tyler Malley gave up two more runs, and he leaves with uh, four runs and six and a third. Doesn't look great, but one walk, eight strikeouts, and now he's got nine walks to 49 strikeouts and 45 and a third, a 3.97 ERA. Malley's 0 and five, but he's only 25 percent owned. So forget about like pitchers you might be thinking about dropping. He's the one I think mm-hmm. you really should consider adding. Um, we might mm-hmm. we might have some untapped potential there with Tyler Malley. 
Yeah, I mean, he's not bad, but I think there's a limit to his upside. The part of the reason I've been talking about three different pitches being effective for Martin and uh, and Canning is because Mally doesn't have that. So he's kind of the poster yeah. child for no, the he direction does. He does, the league though. is going, not letting starting pitchers face a, a lineup a third time through, which is why we're seeing this dearth of game-changing talent at the position and so, yeah, I'm not I'm not loving Malley, but he, he can't be useful if he's used right by the Reds. By the way, Griffin Canning, is there a is there a player in baseball whose name sounds more like a company than Griffin Canning? Because if there is, I don't know what it is. <laughs> we could think about that. But but Tyler Malley, Scott, like I thought, you know, he's using his curveball more. And well, I guess he's really just sort of replaced his slider with his curveball. But I, yeah. I, okay. He's less, re- he's becoming a little less reliant on the fastball. Um, a all little. Right. All right. All right. I mean, you can make the argument he's a one pitch pitcher, kind of. Less so, th- less so this year than last year. But yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So I got to think of, of names that sound like a company. This is going to take me the rest of the show. Promoting a few things uh, here. Just- we get some audience suggestions for tomorrow's podcast. Okay. Kind of weave it into Team Name Tuesday. There you go. That makes sense. Uh, there you go. I'm planning the show. You are on tomorrow's podcast, right? Yes, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Not on Wednesdays. That's the thing. Okay. God willing. We have a lot of podcasts, not just fantasy baseball today. We have fantasy football today. We have Canell and Bell off the bench. Great show every uh, every morning or Monday through Friday. That show gets out pretty early as well, like like our show. Uh, and it's just like kind of a daily sports talk show. Canal and Bell are great, really entertaining show. You're going to love it. It's also on CBS Sports HQ. We've got a combat uh, podcast called State of Combat. That is MMA, boxing, and wrestling all rolled into one. We have a golf podcast, three times a week a golf podcast. Good luck finding golf coverage like that. That is called The First Cut with Kyle Porter. We have a lot more. College basketball, college football, NFL. That's called Pick 6. Go to cbssports.com slash podcasts or podcast, either one, cbssports.com slash podcast, um, to get the full listing and ways to subscribe. We are on Spotify, so check out our shows on Spotify. And CBS Sports HQ, that's our 24-7 streaming service. I was plugging it all week long on Twitter, on the show. I said 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern. So if you tuned in looking for us 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern, things changed. You've noticed that Heath hasn't been on the show. Chris uh, is also out of town. Heath and Chris both out of town, so they were unable to do the show yesterday. Plus, we had two Game 7s in the NBA. So Scott and I went from 3 to 7 to Scott did a half hour and I did an hour. But uh, we were on from 3.30 to 4.30. But, you know, we'll be back. I don't believe we'll be back this weekend because of the PGA Championship. But I'll let everybody know about CBS Sports HQ. It'll be longer than an hour going forward. I, I jumped back. I jumped back on there for another segment later. Adam. Oh, that's you, right. you stopped watching and missed out. You can't stop watching no. CBS HQ because you never know when we're going to pop up. Exactly. I was driving home, or yeah. I would have been watching. Uh, before yeah. we get to the big news, and there's a lot of it with Altuve and the catcher injuries, and Nelson Cruz and Tyler Glass. Now, Hyunjin Ryu deserves his own segment. Scott, he has a 172 ERA. He has three walks to 54 strikeouts, <laughs> a .73 WHIP. Eight or more innings and three straight starts. You go back to last year now, so that's 82 and a third plus 52 and a third. That's what 134 innings, 134 and two thirds innings with a sub one WHIP, a sub two ERA, and how many walks? Uh, 18 walks. So 
oh my gosh, he's been amazing. Uh, he deserves his own yeah. segment. I mean, you go back a couple years, and could you have even imagined Tianjin Ryu would become Dodgers' workhorse? He was coming back from some... like We just wondered if he'd even be decent again. He was coming back from some awful injuries. And uh, when before all those injury troubles started, he was a great strikeout-to-walk ratio guy as well. Certainly he is now. Um, you know, the BAPIP is low, but when you have three walks with the kind of innings he's pitching, that's not something I'm going to harp on. Okay, he's not quite as good as a 1.72 ERA and .73 whip. I think he's still looking like ace material here. Right, so where is Hyunjin Ryu going to fall in your rankings? Yeah, it's something I'm going to have to take a look at, but we may have to move him into the top 25 at least. That's it? Well... Okay, who do you want him ahead of? Should I put him ahead of like? Uh, okay, I would take him ahead of of James Paxton, David Price, Shane Bieber. So that's top twenty. I'd probably put him ahead of Tyler Glass now at this point. So that's top nineteen, and then he's in that group with Kershaw, Marquez, Barrios, Castillo, Bueller, which is I think yeah, very fair. That's top, top that's probably 20. fine. Yeah, top twenty. Okay, yep, I, late yeah. teens there. Seems like a good spot for him. Hyunjin Ryu, really, really good. And I'm not even sure they're going to give him a fake injury this year. Um, Speaking of (laughs) fake injuries, we're going to talk about Derek Holland later. Let's go through the big news. We're going to do that right after this quick break on Fantasy Baseball Today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Well, the big news starts with Jose Altuve, Scott. He is on the IL with a hamstring strain. On CBS Sports HQ, I talked to David Sampson, former president of the Miami Marlins. He has some concern about this injury. Um, He said that the hamstring injuries are like, I think he said it like a guest at a party who won't leave. Uh, They tend to linger. (laughs) So I said, you know, Ledmus Diaz in deeper leagues, you might want to pick him up. I think I actually put in a claim for Ledmus Diaz. Um, yeah. But I didn't get him. because so we, we have seen some quick returns from hamstring injuries this year, too. I, didn't, I don't know how they're rating it in terms of severity, but it seemed like he could. Uh, there was talk that he might be able to avoid the IL at first. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not terribly concerned, though. Yeah, I mean, muscle strains, they, they, they can sometimes cause setbacks and linger and that sort of thing. Right. Nelson Cruz is going to have an MRI on his wrist, so I don't really have much more information there, but that's never a good thing, and fingers crossed on Nelson Cruz. Catcher injuries, Buster Posey's on the seven-day IL, as we know. He might actually be able to play at some point this week, but who knows? Um, you know, you probably want to look for replacements there. Shallower leagues, Mitch Garver, and Williams Astadio. Actually, that's going to affect both of them. <laughs> they have mm-hmm. now three catchers, because Astudio's back. Astudio came off the, the DL, and he led off yesterday. So, yeah, that could be terrible. I'm still excited about Garver. I almost mentioned him when we were talking about hitter pickups because it is shocking to me for as good as he's been and as terrible as the need is a catcher that, uh, you know, he's still around 70 percent owned in leagues. 
Like Jason Castro has a long enough track record and uh, the twins have kind of steered away from him more lately and toward Garver that I, I, I feel I feel good he's going to be, become less and less of an issue. And Williams Astudio, assuming he hits, there are other places they can play him. I'm not saying he won't catch it all. But if Garver can find a way to catch between four and five games a week, I think there's enough production in his bat. Uh, you know, last year in his final year in the minors, he had a nine, an over, OPS over 900. So this isn't coming out of nowhere. I think there's enough production there that uh, Garver's going to be worthwhile in one-catcher leagues, even as shallow as, like, 10-team. Yeah, and still the best team name we've had, I think, so far this year is filmed in front of a studio audience. Uh, <laughs> terrific. A.J. Minter to the minors, as we mentioned. Tyler Glass now out four to six weeks with a forearm strain. Ronald Acuna batted leadoff, so they, they moved him to leadoff. Exciting, because he's got, I think, two steals this year. And he did attempt to steal on Saturday. He was caught stealing, but this was a big deal for him last year. Where Acuna uh, batted in the order and how many stolen bases he attempted. Basically, when he let off, he ran. Don't know if it's permanent, mm-hmm. but it's yeah, I don't know significant. Either. He also hit much better in the leadoff spot last year. Uh, he's starting to hit, so he, he was starting to come out of it. But uh, good stuff for Acuna if you're an Acuna owner. Miguel Sano, I'm going to look up his ownership real quick, but he could be back this week. Let's guess Miguel Sano's ownership, Scott. I'm going to guess it is 78%. I would think it's more like 60, is my guess. 52%. A terrible guess. We're, yeah, if we were on the prices right, we'd both be out. Yeah. Well, what would be your level of enthusiasm for picking up Sano if you... Uh, if you saw him on your waiver wire, 52% own. Well, corner infield is not a great need for me. And, you know, yeah. obviously Sano has had more bad than good as a major leaguer so far. But the power potential is really high. Um, and at times he's shown the ability to get on base too. It would be, like, I don't think the ownership should probably go much higher than where you put it at, 78%. That's that's probably about the highest that I'd want it to be. Um, would you drop? I, I can't uh, see myself adding him in a points league at all. Would you drop Travis Shaw for Miguel Sano? Uh, I would be hesitant to do that because Shaw has been more consistent in the past, and he's second base eligible, which is bigger need. Okay. I'll uh, finish off the notes here. Sean Kelly threw a bullpen session. He could be back. So if you have Chris Martin, you might not be getting much out of Chris Martin. Aaron Hicks is set to return today. Day-to-day, Anthony Rizzo's day-to-day. He's probably okay. I think the Cubs are off today. He had some back tightness after the extra inning game on Saturday. Brandon Belt did pinch hit yesterday. He's got knee inflammation. Ryan Braun pinch hit on Sunday. And Gary Sanchez and Glaber Torres were rested on Sunday. They appear to be okay. Uh, they're day-to-day. I think I'd probably, if I were, you know, Sanchez, you're going to start. Torres, I'm actually going to sit Torres for Jeff McNeil because um, Torres just hasn't been very good. And uh, call-ups. Okay, so let's talk about the important ones here. K- K- uh, Corbin Martin for the Astros is probably the, the most exciting. He's 45% owned. Vince Velasquez is on the I.L. with a forearm strain. So Cole Irvin pitched yesterday. One run in seven innings with only five strikeouts. That's not his forte. But that's Cole Irvin nope. for the Phillies. And then you got J.P. Crawford and Shed Long coming up for the Mariners, a couple of infielders. 
And uh, Miami calling up Harold Ramirez, who's 2% owned, and he started in left field on Sunday and went one for four. Are you picking up Cole Irvin, J.P. Crawford, Shed Long, or Harold Ramirez? Not in not in standard size leagues, no. Um, it's not to say none of them have interesting minor league numbers. Like you said, the problem for Irvin, 5.8 strikeouts per nine innings at AAA. And they've been low throughout his minor league career. The other numbers have been good, but I... It's you have to you have to kind of thread the needle to be a successful pitcher with without strikeouts in today's game, and I'm not confident that's going to happen. Um, but I don't I don't feel like I mean J.P. Crawford we've seen the majors before and it hasn't gone well. Harold Ramirez has been at this point he's kind of a minor league journeyman, um, and I'm not sure he has enough power. I'm not sure how concrete the role is. So yeah, I'm not I'm not particularly motivated to add these guys except in like AL and L only leagues. Okay. And for Shed Long, I think D Gordon's not supposed to go on the IL, so I don't know how long how long Shed Long is going to be up. And if you have him, you <laughs> might want to shed him from your roster. Hey. But the Mariners are gonna start Whoa. selling the, the Mariners are gonna be in sell mode soon. So you'll you'll see uh Shed Long and JP Crawford, I I assume, a little bit more of them. All right, I told you who we added. Let's take a look at who you added. It is time for the most added players in CBSSports.com. Leagues number one is Corbin Martin. Number two is Danny Duffy. So is he a two-start pitcher, Danny Duffy? He is. Not one I'd recommend, but he is, is one who is coming off two good starts, three good starts, two good starts. Um, and I think one of his matchups is good. I just don't buy I just don't buy into the resurgence here. There's not enough backing it to justify the downside. Texas and at the Angels for Duffy. Third on the most added list is Mike Fires at Seattle and at Detroit. Fires and Duffy are owned in about the same amount of leagues, right around 50%. And I don't think we're going to recommend either of them. Nah, I'd be more willing to start Fires because that Detroit matchup is better, but I'd rather just leave them where they are. And Luke Jackson's 53% owned. We are, we're excited about that. So actually, yesterday he was 35% owned. Now Luke Jackson is 53% owned. Makes sense. Uh, Lucas Giolito, 58% owned. We talked about that. Kyle Gibson, 77% owned. Scott's feeling it with Kyle Gibson. Uh, he gets the Angels at home and the Mariners on the road this week. So good matchups for Kyle Gibson. Uh, that's a Mariners home game. And I don't think they hit very well at home. I've said that before, so now it's time to double-check. Hunter Pence, Mitch Garver. You know, I always know, Scott, that the show is good when we've talked about most of the most added list. That's a good thing. Um, Brandon Woodruff, 87% owned. He's been pitching very well. James McCann. We haven't talked a lot about him, but if you need a catcher, and you might with Zanino out and with uh, Posey out, James McCann is 60% owned. Jonathan Lucroy is 71% owned. They're both on the most added list. What do you think about Lucroy and McCann? Uh, yeah. So they're kind of... And the other McCann, Brian of... McCann. Throw him in there. <laughs> we got to throw him in there? Sure. Uh, so James McCann and LaCroix are kind of succeeding. Like the way, the way a catcher position falls, falls short is there aren't enough guys who play enough and there aren't enough guys who hit enough. And they're kind of, so they're kind of standing out for opposite reasons. LaCroix is one of the ones who plays the most and James McCann has been the most productive when he plays. McCann's kind of in the same boat as Garver as far as playing time and production so far. But I don't buy into the legitimacy of it as much. Fine as a hot hand play, but don't get too attached. 
LaCroix, I, you know, I'd, if you're desperate, you could do LaCroix, but I'd rather not go for the guy who's succeeding just on playing time. And I had to pick up Brian McCann in a two-catcher league where I lost both my catchers. It was a rough week. Zanino, Posey, Altuve, Glassnow, and someone else. Tough week for me. Tyone, that was last Tough week. Tough week. Yeah. Crap team. But you know the good thing about that, Scott, is that now I can blame injuries for my failures. And I can be like... No, that's so, uh, so annoying. No, though. I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going to do it. What I... <laughs> Who's going to listen? Who's going to sympathize with that, honestly? Who sympathizes with that? Even not, not when people many. pretend to sympathize, they're really rolling their eyes behind your back. It's probably like, true. Like, everybody has to deal with injuries at some point. Get over yourself. Altuve, Glasnow, Posey, Zanino, all in the same week. I think Zanino was this week. Um, McCann, by the way, is uh, not playing very often, unfortunately. So, Brian McCann, that is. So, I'm sure he'll be terrible on my terrible team. <laughs> And uh, also on the most added list, not my terrible team, my very injured team. It's the injury's fault. Uh, let's see, some guys who might actually be available. John Means. John Means is okay. He's John Means, like, without ever seeing him pitch, I knew he was a lefty. John Means is the most southpaw name that you could possibly have. He's 100% left-handed. He's 36% owned and has been all right. And uh, Derek Dietrich, Tommy LaStella. Who's who's got a better chance of actually being legit? I think Listella, because the plate discipline is beyond good. He like walks as much as like twice as much as he strikes out, which the strikeouts are almost zero. Um, you know, obviously hasn't shown this kind of power in the past, but there's been a change in his batter ball profile that would suggest more power, and it's it's gone on long enough that I don't think we can just write him off. He does need to play more consistently, but that's true of Dietrich, too. Are you buying David Fletcher or Ronnie Rodriguez? Yeah, Ronnie Rodriguez is kind of interesting. I wouldn't say I fully buy him because he's 26-year-old. This is his second organization's first real chance. But last year in the minors, he hit 338 with nine home runs, a 923 OPS, and about half a season's at-bats, and uh, hit 291 with 17 home runs the season before that. So I... I I think there is some pop there, and shortstop eligible uh, is probably going to get eligible in other spots, and uh, and that's like in a twelve-team rotisserie league. He was low in my waiver claims, but I had a claim in for him just because I kind of want to see where it goes. Uh, Fletcher, Fletcher is—he's yeah. kind of reminds me of Jeff McNeil in terms of being a contact hitter. I I think McNeil's just better to begin with, and I think McNeil also has a little more hope of power, but. Uh, Fletcher seems like a similar player who could be useful in a low-end sort of way. All right, there we go. That's a beautiful look at the way at the waiver wire, at the most added list, and hopefully uh, you've got some of those players and you're getting them in your lineups, but not the ones we don't like. Not Danny Duffy, not Mike Fires, basically, and not necessarily David Fletcher. Get him out of there. Yeah, yeah. Get him not, out. not everybody on the most added list deserves to be on the most added list. We are going to take a quick break here, our last one of the show, and when we come back, start, sit, drop. Some hitters who stood out and a lot of talk about pitching. We're coming right back on Fantasy Baseball today. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. 
All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Well, I hate to be asking this right now on May 13th, but it's time for some start, sit, drop with guys I never thought I'd have to ask this question about. Scott, start, sit, or drop, Travis Shaw. 75% owned. I was thinking if you thought you'd never have to ask that, then I'm probably not going to say drop to any, but I'm getting close with Travis Shaw. Clearly not for Miguel Sano, (laughs) but in a shallower situation like that, maybe for like a Lucas Giolito, you know, I I might. If I was comfortable enough with my second base, but that I didn't feel like I I was depending on a Travis Shaw rebound, because who knows? I mean... Like it hasn't just been bad luck, clearly, but there's enough of a track record there that I he could come he could come roaring back. Uh, but if I was fine at second base and third base, I'd be okay dropping him. Start, sit, or drop Joey Votto and his 206 batting average and his seven RBIs this year. We're gonna have to go another month before I consider dropping him. Sitting him is fine. Sitting him, you probably have enough alternatives at first base that you could justify that. Jose Ramirez, start, sit, or drop? Start. In fact, I one of my bold predictions on CBS Sports HQ yesterday, my bold prediction for the upcoming week was that it's the week Jose Ramirez comes roaring back because he has he has been hitting a little better of late. It's been the batting average has been inching up there. And his matchups this week, uh, he's got four games against the Orioles staff, two against the White Sox. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. The bad ball trends are too encouraging. I think this is the week it does. I need you to be right about this. Like, my fantasy baseball happiness basically depends more on Jose Ramirez than anyone else. Well, how, how's this? How, how crazy is this? So, my two 15-team Roto Leagues, the highest profile ones, which are Tout Wars and the great fantasy baseball Invitational, uh, Jose Ramirez was my first round pick in both of those 15 team leagues. I am in second place in both of them. Just imagine yeah. if we got true Jose Ramirez. Yeah, I, I actually was in second place in one of my Jose Ramirez leagues and I've fallen to like sixth place, but it's a Roto league and, you know, one good day I can move up four point four spots, whatever. So I, I also feel good. Like I feel I have Corey Seager and I have Jose Ramirez and if those guys get going, I think I'm in good shape. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm hopeful. But, you know, I don't think he reached base yesterday, 
But before that, Jose Ramirez actually had a 20-game on-base streak, which was a lot of walks, but still, it was it was something. And start, sit, or drop Daniel Murphy. So people are, like, really angry because he, he appears to be in a platoon. Daniel Murphy, and he has three lefties on the schedule this week. So I, I think you got to sit Daniel Murphy. What about you, and, and would you consider dropping him? Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, he did start against one. They faced five straight lefties, and he did start against two of them. I think they have three uh, more not, in a row coming up, at least two more in a row. That's yeah. going to be seven or eight lefties And I'm not sure... I'm not sure how many of them are were day games because he's not going to be a guy who plays during the day much. He's a vampire. Um, Daniel Murphy is a vampire. Yeah, I, I'd be fine. Like I, I think he's eventually going to come around, and when he comes around, there won't be much justification to sit him just because of left-handers up. Uh, but I'd be fine sitting him this week. And in terms of hitters, uh, I, we've talked about most of the guys I wanted to talk about, but Rymel Tapia has started... Uh, the last six games against righties and three of the last five games against lefties, which have been five in a row, like we said, for the Rockies. Tapia is 20% owned. He's batting 313, five home runs, uh, six walks at 31 strikeouts. This week, only five games for Tapia and for all the Rockies. And they are Sale, Eduardo Rodriguez, Cole Irvin, Aaron Nola, and Jared Eikhoff. Three lefties plus Nola and Eikhoff. Um, so any left-handed Rockies, like, you're going to start Charlie Blackman. But I think like this might be a really bad week for David Dahl. I'm gonna start him anyway. This might be a bad week for Tapia if you're you know in a deeper yeah. league. Um, well, they're they're kind of contending with each other for playing time. Although Dahl sometimes steals starts from Desmond in center. Uh, but Tapia, I don't buy into Tapia at all for what it's worth. Oh. And he's it seems like all Babip. He's not a big power hitter. He doesn't walk at all, and uh, he's not even making contact at his high rate really so that's that's not going to last what Rymel Tapia is doing have you ever had tapioca pudding yeah have I I have I don't think I have I don't I don't know Adam <laughs> our history only goes back so far oh I know I got tapioca pudding from the the Griffin Ganning Corporation uh, more news and notes. Clay Buckholtz, I was like so proud of that joke. Clay Buckholtz is on the IL. Felix Hernandez is on the IL because he's bad. Francisco Mejia is on the IL with a knee strain. Andrew Heaney could be back soon. And Derek Holland said he had a fake injury. And this was something I talked about with David Sampson yesterday. And it was hilarious because <laughs> they demoted Derek Holland to the bullpen after he gave up, I think, 13 runs over two starts. He gave up six runs. They put him on the IL. They brought him back. He pitched in bad conditions in Colorado. He gave up seven runs. They put him in the IL. Derek Holland did not like it. He resented it. He called out the front office. He said he faked an injury. And I was like, how can you do that? And David Sampson was like, they could release him for this. Um, Sampson said, and again, he's the former president of the Miami Marlins. Sampson said that, you know, it happens, and, and usually it's a shoulder strain. I, th I think that's what he said, shoulder strain or shoulder soreness or something, because you can't dispute that. And, and guys, if you see a guy go on the IL with a shoulder strain, a pitcher, <laughs> that probably means it's – that might mean it's a fake injury. This, for Holland, was a finger injury, um, but I just thought that whole situation was comical, and they're probably pretty mad. Yeah, so the Giants were the one who faked the injury, not Holland himself right 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 That's... they made him fake the injury basically yes okay well Which, no no i mean yes know. they they 
they put him on the IL for something he didn't think he needed to go with to the a IL fake for. injury. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he he pointed out that it wasn't an actual injury, and so now they're probably going to get in trouble. They could, presumably, for sure. Yeah. Okay, Scott. Let's talk about some pitchers. The rest of the show dedicated to the to the hurlers. Uh, studs being studs, there were a lot of them. Part one: Zach Granke, blown away by his year. Uh, seven or more innings and in four starts. Now he's been a strikeout per inning. He's been great. Zach Granke. Luis Castillo, uh, I think he bounced back from, I think his last start was bad. But second start with five walks this season, 24 walks and 56 yeah, and a third. Yeah, rates been kind of high. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really high. expect that to continue, Scott. I mean, he wasn't, he was he was a great strike thrower in the minors. Right. So that's, it, it, it hasn't been true in the majors, though. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily, like, I don't know that it's going to get that much better. Um, Luis Castillo. I, I don't. I don't think, like, obviously, 176 ERA, he's playing over his head. So that goes without saying there's going to be some normalization there. But I think he's an ace. Uh, Steven Strasburg, yeah, I've talked about this. He, he really appears to be just, just fine. 363 ERA is too high for Strasburg. It'll come down. And John Lester. John Lester's going to come up. He's a 116 ERA. But John oh, Lester's God. been awesome, and he was good again. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, like, his strikeout rate's back up, more than one per inning. The swinging strike rate really hasn't improved, but he's kind of he's kind of done the same trick Madison Bumgarner has, where when the fastball's not as good anymore, just start cutting it, and it becomes better. Like, these, these wily veterans, like, when you get a guy at near Hall of Fame level, like they are, uh, and Cole Hamels was in this boat not too long ago. We're kind of seeing some signs of that from Adam Wainwright this year. Like, they they get crafty. They figure it out. They they didn't get to be near Hall of Fame level for no reason. So I think reports of Lester's demise were not greatly exaggerated, but exaggerated. I think it's tough to answer who the best Dodgers starting pitcher is for fantasy. And I think it's even tougher to answer who the best Cubs starting pitcher is for fantasy. I think I would probably take Cole Hamels, um, and I would probably take. Man, I think I think I'd take Ryu. Uh, I don't know if I'd have the guts to actually do that, but since I don't actually have yeah. to do it, I'd take Ryu. Why not? Uh, who who? How about on the Cubs? Who's your favorite Cub? No Hamels. I agree with the Hamels take, um, but ah. Uh, um. I'm not even sure I'd rank Ryu second among the Dodgers three with okay, the way but, Bueller's last two starts have gone. But he's so close. Yeah I, I, yeah, I think Bueller, I mean, I still have the concerns about Bueller like down the stretch at the end of the season, but I think it's pretty encouraging mm-hmm. what he's been doing lately. You can understand the slow start from him. You know, he basically yeah. was like a Red Sox pitcher with the way they treated him in spring training. So he's, he's yeah. kicked it and into And he's gear. still not all the way back. It's still... Like, the breaking balls still don't seem to be there, which is why his swinging strike rate is low. Um, but slowly but surely, he's getting there. And like you said, it, it's close between all three of them. Hershaw, Bueller, and Ryu. They're probably all in that 15 to 20 range for me in my rankings. Uh, studs being studs part two. Cole Hamels. He was good again, this time against Milwaukee. And he's got a 308 ERA and a strikeout per inning. Miles Michaelis has been very good lately. His last three starts, 135 ERA, 16 strikeouts in 20 innings. Uh, that was with seven strikeouts against Pittsburgh on Saturday. 
And he has pitched seven or more innings in three of his last four starts without throwing more than 100 pitches. Miles Michaelis. John Gray was pretty good. I'll give it to him. Three runs uh, in six innings with eight strikeouts. Did give up two home runs. And Masahiro Tanaka got his split finger back. So he was sort of getting by without his splitter. He got it back on Sunday, and he had one of his best starts. Maybe his best. Seven innings, one run, seven strikeouts at Tampa Bay. You have anything to say about this group? Cole Hamels, Miles Michaelis, John Gray, and Masahiro Tanaka. Miles Michaelis' last three starts that have been so good. His ground ball rate, it's 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 about it was about as high as it's been all year in all three of them. And part of the problem he was having is he hadn't been as much of an outlier with that ground ball rate this year as he was last year. Was giving up some home runs, so hopefully he's back on track now. The control has certainly been there, which is the other reason he was so good last year. How would you rank Hamels, Michaelis, Gray, and Tanaka? I would go I think I think Tanaka first, just ahead of Hamels, followed by I'll put Michaelis back ahead of Gray with that recent revelation of his. Gray is Gray is always like less than great, but good enough that you're not so disappointed you started him. Yeah. And like, you, I don't know yeah. if that's gonna change. And you need the strikeouts. And he gives them Yeah. Three. Okay, studs being studs, part three. Frankie three. Frankie Montas is a stud. <laughs> Two seventy eight ERA, and uh, Scott's gonna talk about his splitter. Kenta Maeda said he felt good about his sliders. Had a good feel for his sliders. So that was nice. Jake Odorizzi keeps it going. Last five starts, .86 ERA, and he's faced Houston twice in the Yankees in that stretch of five starts. Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, he has now gone seven in. He went seven innings last time out. And, oh, what was the stat? Ah, well, you know he doesn't do that very often. He didn't. Do that, I don't think he did that once last year. So he's getting a little deeper into games, which is good. And Zach Eflin. Zach Eflin threw his second complete game in his last three starts. He's been this working. This Eflin guy. I know. Eflin's been working with his personal catcher now, Andrew Knapp, for his last three starts. And in those starts, he hasn't been striking guys out because that's not what he does, but he's been really, really good. So Montas, Maeda, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Jake Odorizzi, and Zach Eflin. How would you rank them? Yeah. Oh, you want to do a ranking thing, huh? I will go. (laughs) I'm going to put Montas at the top now, followed by... Eduardo Rodriguez, Eflin, Maeda. Uh, maybe Odorizzi ahead of Maeda. But the bottom line is, of this group, I mean, it's hard to know what to make of Maeda, but the ones I'm believing in most are Montas and Rodriguez, and the ones I'm believing in least are Eflin and Odorizzi. Montas, yes, my concerns have proven in, invalid. I'm doing an about-face. That splitter has made a huge difference. Three of his past four starts have been his three best swinging strike efforts of the year, and it's a 20% swinging strike rate on the splitter. Uh, And plus, the splitter's been a great ground ball pitch for him. So, yeah, he looks like he's going to be a useful option for you. Eflin is annoying to me because the strikeout rate is so low. And really, we could, I'm not sure we've talked about Zach Davies at all, even though he has like a 150 ERA this year. You could kind of put um, Zach Davies in the same category as Zach Eflin, where 
the quality of contact has been so poor that the ex-WOBA is basically aligned with the WOBA, makes it look legitimate. But I feel like what I'm learning about ex-WOBA is it's a better explanation for how things should have gone than a predictor of how things will go. Because I'm not sure quality of contact is something you can trust uh, over the long haul the same way you can strikeout rate, walk rate, home run rate, uh, which is how, you know, like the the ways, the ways, the things that feed into more like XFIP and Sierra. Um, Eflin's XFIP and Sierra both project an ERA over four. Davies projects an ERA close to five. Uh, and I think the thing is just going to be like, it's hard to be that precise, as precise as they need to allow the weak contact they've been allowing so far. Like that is difficult to sustain for long stretches of time. It's kind of the story of Mac, um, Mike Fire's career, honestly, because Mike Fire's for stretches has looked like a dominant pitcher too, and then it falls apart. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So that's kind of where I stand with Eflin and Davies, who isn't pictured here. Yeah, well, Davies, I think, is in the fringes part one. He's only 78% owned, so we're going to get to him. Uh, studs being yeah. duds. Not many. Jake Arietta and Marco Gonzalez were the only two that I had. Stud, uh, remember, Stud is more than 80% owned. Uh, Jake Arietta, yeah, three home runs at Kansas City. He had, he's been mostly good this year, but he has a 132 whip. And Marco Gonzalez has had a, an interesting season, some really good starts. A predictably terrible start at Boston, but he's a 318 ERA uh, on the season. So, um, yeah, what do you think? Do either Arietta or Gonzalez, they're not must starts necessarily, but are, are they like probably starts for you? Yeah, I, I guess that's about right. I, I don't know that it's fair, but I like Gonzalez more than Arietta. I might just be still, uh, you know. That might be my my disdain of Arietta from last year creeping in. He's been a pretty good ground ball pitcher this year. I might be able to succeed because of that. Studs being something in between studs and duds. Maybe we should skip this segment. What do you think? I think we're going to skip this segment. Because, <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I want to get to the guys that, that fantasy owners might actually be able to pick up. But I will say this about Blake Snell. I know we love Blake Snell. Um, he has only one start of more than six innings. No more than 102 pitches in any start this season. And if you go back to his last 11 starts of 2018 after he came off the IL, it was really very similar. He did not throw them more than 104 pitches in any start and did not have more than seven innings in any start of those 11. Uh, so I don't know if that puts a cap on how great Blake Snell can be. I mean, like, I think the 356 ERA is ridiculous. He's He's... A sub three ERA guy, he might be like a sub two fifty. He's amazing, but they don't let him go that deep into games anymore, and they haven't anyway since last year. I just want to bring that up on Snell. All right, let's do the fringes. Okay, part one. You like any of these guys? They're they're mostly owned, but this is for shallow leagues. In the shares, I don't have the drop today. Uh, Julio Teran, <laughs> Anthony Disclafani, Zach Davies, Yolis Shasin. Brad Keller and Kevin Gosman. Tehran, Disclafani, Davies, Shasin, Keller, Gosman. I don't think any of them are must-own. The ones I'd be most likely to own are Desclafani, Gosman, and yes, Zach Davies, just because there's always that chance that I'm wrong, and maybe he is. I, I mean, not 150 ERA good, but a useful option all year. Maybe. I mean, you got to get desperate at starting pitcher. Eventually, because uh, 
there's a lot of there's a lot not to like out there. Yeah, and Brad Keller's the only one who has a good matchup this week, and he's just not good. I, he's been over-owned since the start of the season. Fringy starting pitchers part two. Jordan Lyles, who's been using, I think he's been using his slider more instead of his curveball, and the last two starts have been pretty good for Lyles. And Spencer Turnbull, I actually tried to pick up Spencer Turnbull. I think Scott outbid me for him. I think I put a $2 bid on Turnbull out of a $100 budget with like 70 left, oh, I, and you got him for four? Yeah, I originally went two. I changed it to four. There you go. Lucky man. I've gone three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Turnbull's got Oakland this week. Uh, Lyles is at San Diego. Uh, any interest in these dudes? Turnbull is probably my preference to own over anybody even on the, the last list, the Desclafani gosman davies list, uh, because he... He he's he's gotten that weak contact thing. He has that going for him so far, and he's a decent bat misser, almost a strikeout per, uh, with a good. Sometimes it's classified as cutter, sometimes slider, and a decent strikeout rate on curveball too. So good, a couple breakers there that suggest there might even be more upside. Some walk issues, some supporting cast issues, maybe some innings issues eventually. But again, you can only be so picky at starting pitcher. But you'd prefer Giolito to Turnbull. Yes. Tyler Malley or Turnbull? Uh, Turnbull. Fringy starting pitchers part three. 30 to 49% owned. Adam Wainwright, Jeffrey Rodriguez, Pablo Lopez, Gio Gonzalez, Merrill Kelly, and John Means. Adam Wainwright, Jeffrey Rodriguez, Pablo Lopez, Gio Gonzalez, Merrill Kelly, John Means. Yeah, so we got a lot of tweets after Lopez's weekend start where he gave up 10 runs in three innings about him being a fake stallion and I don't know like a some people were calling him like a like a donkey or I don't know whatever whatever the worst version of a horse would be right um but um but yeah he uh he does have an ex-fip in Sierra more in the 380 range despite a really high ERA which shows the reason we do like him but at the same time, like I don't think you have to hold on to him if there's somebody. I mean, you drop him, he's probably not getting picked up. So you could probably let him go. He's the most exciting of this group still, though, I think. Okay, in deep leagues, is there anyone in this group that uh, you'd be interested in picking up? Lance Lynn, Daniel Norris, Homer Bailey, Trevor Cahill. Uh, no. No, they all look pretty scrubby. Okay. Uh, take a look at Matt Barnes. Really looks like he's the closer for the Red Sox. And maybe we'll talk about Blake Trinan and Wade Davis some other time. Quickly, some emails. This is from Tommy. Will Myers was dropped in my 12-team points league. We start four outfielders. Would you drop Chu or Piscotti to add Will Myers? I would drop either one to add Will Myers, though I don't think it's a big gap between any of them. Okay, yeah, Myers is not a must-own in a points league. Um, in fact, I might prefer Chu to him. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think in the long run, Myers is going to be better, but the, yes, I agree. their profile is geared more toward those different formats, yeah. This is Ed from Minnesota. He says, Dear Jeff, Alfredo, Saxy, and Franklin. Jeff, Alfredo, Saxy, and Franklin. I don't have a clue. Sexy. That should be a giveaway. S-A-X-Y. The secret 
to a sexy fettuccine Alfredo. I see that pop up <laughs> from cheftalk.com from 2015. Okay, I don't know. I have Aaron Hicks coming off the IL and Jose Altuve going on it. My only other second baseman on my roster is Travis Shaw. Should I activate Hicks and use Travis Shaw until Altuve returns? Drop either Hicks or Shaw to pick up a second baseman like Wong, Listella, Dietrich, Scope, Cesar Hernandez, Kike Hernandez, Esdrubal Cabrera, Danny Santana, Jose Peraza, Brian Dozier, Ryan McMahon. Hmm. Um, for Travis Shaw, dropping Travis Shaw for any of them, I would, I don't think so. I don't think any of them are exciting. Like maybe Brian McMahon if you wanted to gamble on that upside, but it's, you're gambling on upside either way without having seen much, uh, many, much signs of it coming through. Okay, let's take a look at today's scoreboard, Scott White, and tell people who to start and who to sit. I feel like it's a light week. I'm going to guess there's nine games today. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. Ooh, vacation. All right. <laughs> Get to catch up on billions. Uh, David Hess at Jonathan Lewisaga. Nah. Freddie Peralta at Aaron Nola. Just Nola. And I'd be okay with Nola against the Brewers. The game I... Ooh, there's two games that I'm going to have to watch. Brad Peacock at Matt Boyd. Start of both. Yep. Ooh, there's three games I'm going to want to watch. Tyler Skaggs at Jose Barrios. This will be one. i got to see yes. some Skaggs. I think I'm going to sit Skaggs. Yes, you're not. Yeah, I would sit Skaggs. Guess you're not watching Billions after all. Yeah, we'll make, baseball we'll, for you. We'll make time. Uh, Shane Bieber at Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, just Bieber. Nick Kingham. Nick Kingham at Robbie Ray. Yeah, I'd be good with Ray. And Mike. Oh, a tough one here. Mike Fires or you say Kikuchi? I think I have to go with Kikuchi. I'm not sure I want either. Well, I definitely don't want Fires. But it'd be more like to start Kikuchi. I mean, Kikuchi. Uh, Kikuchi is last two starts, seven innings, one run, seven and two thirds, one run. You just, you know, you're not going to get the strikeouts. But. What are I, you laughing at? Because I mis- I said his name wrong and inappropriately. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's it for the show. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> We're back tomorrow to recap those seven games. I'm not going to Tyler Skaggs, but I hope he does well tonight. Turn that season around. Uh, thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today.